Over the last few generations, uh, practicing the Sabbath has slowly dwindled in American society. Uh, not only in American society, but in, frankly, within the church as well. There was a day not that long ago, frankly, a number of those in the room probably remember this day, when Sunday was a day when most businesses shut down. You couldn't go to the store. Uh, you couldn't purchase. You couldn't buy anything. And the reason was, actually, uh, some of it was, depending on what state you were in, they had Sabbath laws on the books where they would shut everything down and you, you, you couldn't purchase. And others, it was just business owners were Christians and they, they didn't operate on Sundays. And um, those Sabbath laws were wonderful gifts that our, our nation had for a season there. But it's quickly going away and what it's been replaced with is a constant frenetic pace of activity. All through the week, we were bombarded with activity, with things to do, with places to be, with events to go to, with people to chat to, with things to buy and activities to get done. And rather than having a day of rest and break from that to recover, now Christians have bought into the cultural mandate, which is busyness is good. And so we keep ourselves going full speed seven days a week. We forget Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. One of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment, reads this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. Well, let me ask you. Do you practice a weekly Sabbath? A full day of rest from work and dedication to God. Not partially, a full day. If not, what keeps you from obeying the fourth commandment that instructs us on how we ought to live in order to glorify God? What do you imagine might be the benefits if you were to begin keeping a Sabbath in your life? I bet you don't even need a sermon on that. I bet you could just figure that one out just thinking about it. Today we return to our study in the Gospel of Luke. And remember, we're going verse by verse through the entire Gospel of Luke. And Luke is a historian. In chapter one, he tells us he did the eyewitness interviews with those who knew and loved Jesus and followed Jesus. And he, he tells us the reason he's writing is that this is so that we can have confirmation of the things we've been told about Jesus. He wants us to have an assurance of faith. He wants us to be confident in the things we believe. Well, in today's passage, there's these two separate stories that happen next to each other. And they both have to do with Jesus's activities on the Sabbath day. And what's going to happen is Jesus has these two different stories that take place on the Sabbath where he is behaving in a way different than what the religious leaders of his day thought should be taking place on the Sabbath. And we're going to learn a lot about what we should be doing on the Sabbath as a result. Let me start with a short definition. Uh, this doesn't come from a textbook. This is my definition of what we can learn from this passage, this particular passage about the Sabbath. Sounds like this. The Sabbath, did I misspell that? I did. There's two B's in Sabbath. <laughs> the Sabbath is a precious gift from God that is to be observed in order to increase joy, restore life, and honor Christ. Let me say it again. The Sabbath is a precious gift from God that is to be observed in order to increase our joy, restore life, and honor Christ. Well, let's go through those three pieces at the very end of that about what the Sabbath is, is supposed to do from this text. And we'll begin with Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, and reveal how the Sabbath is for the increasing of joy. It reads this. On a Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. 
But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now we're going to come back to that verse five in just a moment about the Lord of the Sabbath. But first, the Sabbath is for increasing our joy. Let's try to understand the dispute. It's a Sabbath day. Now, in the Old Testament, that was Saturday. It was the last day of the week was the Sabbath. In the New Testament, we see repeated evidence all through the New Testament that the disciples of Jesus, after his resurrection on the first day of the week, moved the Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday as we practice it today. So you right now are on your Sabbath day and you're glorifying God by attending a, a local church to celebrate the resurrection on the Sabbath day. But Jesus is walking on the Sabbath day through a field and his disciples, as they're walking through, they pick some grain and they're rubbing the grain with their hands in order to get the edible pieces off the grain and to eat them. And the religious leaders of the day, who were the Pharisees, think of them like the pastors of the day, okay? They're the ones who are getting it wrong, okay? Hopefully the pastors today aren't as bad as the Pharisees were. But they had a lot of mistakes. And they look at the disciples, and their issue is not that they're rubbing grain in their hands. That actually is completely uh, permissible by Old Testament law. There's direct laws in the Old Testament that said that's fine. The issue is that they were doing this work of rubbing hands together on a Sabbath. That's what they were upset about. Now, we had to get into the Pharisee, Pharisee's mind a little bit. Why in the world did they think this was not okay to do on a Sabbath? Where did that come from? Well, there could have been some good origin to it, actually. They were, the Pharisees were known for their love of the law of God. They wanted to honor God. They knew the fourth commandment said, do not work on the Sabbath. And then what they did is they got around together over years. They said, what are all the things that constitute work? Let's make sure that no one does any of that. And so they put together all these complicated lists. In fact, these lists in Judaism still exist today of what you can and cannot do on a Sabbath. Let me read you a short list from the Mishnah, from rabbinic tradition. Forbidden activities on the Sabbath. No, sowing, plowing, reaping, binding, Binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, bleaching, hackling, dyeing, spinning, stretching the threads, capturing a deer, slaughtering or flaying or salting it, curing its hide, building, pulling down, striking with a hammer, and carrying out from one domain to another. Now, this is a short list. There's 39 specific issues that you can't do on a Sabbath. Now, are those biblical things that God said you can't do in the Bible on a Sabbath? No. Not in the Bible. You won't find anything like that in the Bible. What the Bible says is honor the Sabbath. And the Bible does say to take it really seriously. There are some situations in the Old Testament where people didn't take the Sabbath seriously and some major stuff happened in the camp of Israel. So the Pharisees came around and they put this list together. And the problem was that while some of these might have been good for some people of what not to do, they were making it the legal code for everybody. No one can do anything like this on the Sabbath. So they thought that Jesus' disciples, by rubbing grain on the Sabbath, this was one of the forbidden activities. It's not in the list up there, but they, they believe that to be forbidden. And Jesus answers it in a weird way. I would have expected Jesus to say, look, Pharisees, you're quoting rabbinic Mishnah. That's, that's not from the Bible. That's man-made laws I'm getting my ideas from the Bible, and the Bible says we can do this, okay? But he doesn't say that. 
He goes a totally different direction. And he quotes a story from the Old Testament involving King David. King David lived about a thousand years before Jesus. And there was one particular event that's recorded in 1 Samuel 21, where King David, he's not the king yet, and he's being chased and persecuted by Saul. Uh, Saul was the current king at the time, and Saul's chasing him, and David's been fleeing from Saul all over the country, and he's starving. He just hasn't eaten a meal in a few days, and he stumbles with his men into the tabernacle where there's a priest there, and with almost just, you can just imagine how hungry he is. He says, do you have any food? And the priest says, well, there's one loaf of bread. I got a loaf of bread here. But this loaf of bread, according to the Bible, the only person who can eat this particular loaf of bread is a priest. And David says, give me the bread. (laughs) I need to eat. And David eats. Now, what does that story have to do with the question the Pharisees are asking? And how does it answer what Jesus is trying to teach about the Sabbath? It has everything to do with it. Because the Sabbath is about bringing joy into our life. Here's the principle. God's laws were always made to breathe joy into people's lives. And there's a way to be so legalistic about carrying out the laws that you actually remove joy from people's lives. So in the case of David, when a man is going to starve to death, give him the bread that's reserved for the priests. The point of the law is to give life. And if the situation is saving life or, or, or making sure only the priests eat that loaf of bread, save the life. And in the case, amen. And in the case of Jesus and his disciples, if you need a snack on the Sabbath because you're hungry, then eat a snack because the Sabbath is for bringing joy into your life. J.C. Riley, J.C. Ryle, he says this. He says, the Sabbath, instead of being a time of celebration, rest and contemplation of the riches and the majesty of God, has become a time of human oppression, had become a time of human oppression. And Jesus was gonna put a stop to that. I was listening recently to a, uh, a podcaster who, he's an Orthodox Jew, he grew up in an Orthodox Jewish household, and he was talking about how as a young boy, what it was like growing up in a household that practiced all these Pharisaic laws, what you couldn't do. There are some laws that you can't even put the, the light switch on because that would be consider, considered work, very similar to rubbing your hands together. Uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't cook, you couldn't turn on a gas stove. And he said, you know, it was just miserable. He said, all we could do is sit on a stool in a dark room and talk to each other all day, <laughs> just as a little boy growing up. And, uh, and what I want to say and what Jesus is teaching here is, no, we got it all wrong. The Sabbath, no one should approach the Sabbath and think, oh, gloomy day of the week. The Sabbath is for bringing joy into your life. It's for for filling you with all the things that God made you to come alive and and be excited about God and excited about life. And you know, we don't, you know, in the evangelical church today, many of us didn't grow up in Orthodox Jewish households, but nonetheless, sometimes we think of the Sabbath as that gloomy day of the week. And even just to think about the Sabbath is to think, oh, that sounds so legalistic and boring. I got other things I want to do rather than worry. And I'll just tell you, you the first principle of knowing what the Sabbath is and understanding it is God designed it to breathe joy into your life. He wants you one day a week to take a break from what you were doing and just fill you with everything that brings real life into you. God's design's good. It brings joy. Second, 
thing we see from this passage. The Sabbath is for restoring life. Now again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save verse five for just a moment here. So jump with me to verse six. Another story on the Sabbath, another Sabbath. Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and he stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to destroy it? And I love this word. And after looking around at them, you can just imagine that scene. He's asked a question. Now he's looking around at them to see if anyone's got the guts to say what the right answer is. He said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they, the Pharisees, were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now, again, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees on the Sabbath day. And this time it's in regard to another one of their rules, no healing. <laughs> no healing. Isn't that, don't you just wish there was so much healing taking place in our churches that someone somewhere would make a rule? No, no healing on the Sabbath day. But this was not a rule that was in the Bible. Nothing like that's ever written in the Bible. No command of God ever said that because the Sabbath was made to restore life. Healing is a wonderful thing to do on a Sabbath. Doctors, please heal on the Sabbath day, right? But here we have a question. They believed it was wrong to heal. And so Jesus looks at them and he asks this question, is it lawful to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? And it's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is the Lord's day is for giving life. It's for building life. It's for restoring thing, things. But their hearts were so hardened. They were so hardened that they couldn't even answer the question. They were in this religious straitjacket that they couldn't get out of. And, and even when the truth was staring them in the face, they, they couldn't bend to say, ah, oh, you're right, it's for restoring life. Because they were just stuck in their religious ways. Now again, what's the principle that's at work here? The Sabbath is designed by God to restore life. Now, we're not Jesus, you know, most of us are not going to be go around tapping and, and healing people that way. That's not something that, that's still happening with the gifting in that way, though God still heals in many ways all the time, miraculously. But, but what does that mean for us to be about restoring life on the Sabbath? Maybe we could ask ourselves, what activities do you do that bring life back into you? Think of your, yourself like a car where you could run low on gas and sometimes you gotta go to the, the gas station, fill up so you're, you're good to go for a little bit longer. What are those things that build life into you? That's what the Sabbath is for. What are those things that you can do that can build life into someone else? Those are the things you should be doing on a Sabbath day. The great William Wilberforce, British politician, he, uh, He's one the, known as the guy who's most responsible for ending the slave trade in Britain. A remarkable life. If ever you get a chance to read the depth of the well that was William Wilberforce, read anything you can get your hands on that tells of his life. But William Wilberforce was a man of incredible intellect, incredible power. He was a short man, sick very often, and yet he was engaged in a battle in politics throughout his whole life. And he went till he was an older man. Wonderful stories. And along the way, he was running alongside some of the great intellects in human history. And he saw them one by one fade out of politics. He saw them burn out. He saw them get sick. He saw them pass away early. And one biographer writing about William uh, Wilberforce and his keeping of the Sabbath, he said this about William Wilberforce. 
He said, Sunday turned all of William Wilberforce's feelings into a new channel. His letters were put aside and all thoughts of business banished. To the closest observer of his private hours, he seemed throughout the day as free from all the feelings of a politician as if he had never mixed in the busy scenes of public life. Think about that. Now, if William Wilberforce can practice a Sabbath once a week, so can you. He was a busy man. The Lord entrusted him with a lot. And he kept a Sabbath every week. Why? What William Wilberforce would say is, the reason others burned out, but he didn't, and he kept going, even in his later years, when he was fighting to end the slave trade, they ended up all British Parliament when it was finally outlawed. It happened a few days before he died. It was the crowning event of his life. They stood and gave him a standing ovation in British Parliament for the man and the life's work that he had done. What kept him going to the very end? He would say, I took a Sabbath and let my mind rest once a week. God's design's pretty good. Now, we need to think about what are those things that we do that restore life. Our minds are going all the time. This thing keeps our minds so full speed that it never ends. It's just constant mind going, thinking, churning about everything, not just about our work, but about the events in the world, about everything happening everywhere, events in other people's lives, and your mind was designed to have a break. God designed you. He is the one who knows what you need. And if we want to have a life that lasts, a life that's effective, we need to learn how to practice how God's designed us. Remember the line from Jesus in Mark 2, 27. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're not servants to the Sabbath. It was made to breathe life into us. Lastly, so we've got the Sabbath was made for joy. The Sabbath was made for the, the restoring of life. And thirdly, the Sabbath is for honoring Christ. The Sabbath is for honoring Christ. Luke chapter 6, verse 5, right in between these two stories we read, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Can you imagine this moment? These Pharisees are arguing about the Sabbath with the guy who created the Sabbath. Can you just sense the irony of that scene, that, that they're filled with fury that Jesus would do something on the Sabbath when he is the one who made it in the first place. This is incredible language. Lord of the Sabbath means Jesus is associating himself with the creator because it was a creation ordinance. Right in the first chapter of the Bible, God rested on the seventh day and that's where the Sabbath was instituted, right in creation. Jesus being Lord of the Sabbath means that Jesus is God. And this is just villainous irony for the, the Pharisees to be looking the creator of the Sabbath in the face and telling him they're getting it wrong. Now, I want to I talk about a tension here that we have with Jesus being Lord of the Sabbath. I said a while ago, the Pharisees had something kind of right when they were making this list. What'd they have right? Well, when they had their man-made list, what they had right was this desire to practice the Sabbath well. There was an impetus, there was an impulse in their heart that if God's law was good, we need to honor it. And so they started asking, what are all the things that might in any way be dishonoring of it? That impulse to take proactive action and to make a list of what are the things we should and shouldn't do, that's a good impulse. I would say celebrate that impulse. It's a reflective, intentional way of a mind honoring God. 
and choosing to sacrifice particular things in order to keep God's command. Where they went wrong is they took some activities that might have been right for you to practice the Sabbath, and they blanketed it across everybody and said it's right for everybody. So one of the things on the list was, was striking with a hammer. No striking with a hammer. Well, for a blacksmith, that's a pretty good law, right? No striking with a hammer. Because when your job is to swing a hammer, you need one day a week to not think about a hammer. But for me, <laughs> putting a picture up on my wall, it's a totally different thing. It can't be formalized and legalized that way. Jesus was very much against legalizing rules in this sense. Our tendency is actually not legalism. Our tendency is on the other end. Our tendency is on license. Legalism said, here's all the rules you must do and they're man-made rules. License says, I hate rules. I'm going to reject rules. I don't want anything like rules in my life, so I can do whatever I want. Sabbath? I don't even need to think about what might drain me of life on a Sabbath. As long as I take a moment during the day and I think a 10-second prayer about God, yeah, I practice the Sabbath. And I don't mean to be overly brash with it, but honestly, that actually is how most of the modern American church thinks about a Sabbath. As long as I take a moment somewhere, I'm sure God's pleased with it. That's not the fourth commandment. That is not the fourth commandment, and that's not how it's been practiced for 2,000 years of church history. Christians for generations have been honoring the Sabbath by breaking from work, stopping their mind, and we need to not fall into license that says, I can do whatever I want, but actually say, what are the things that are right for me as a follower of Christ? And the, and the things that are, I'm busy with, what does my mind and my body need to break from in order to honor Christ, fill me with joy, and restore life? This is a very important thing. If we fall into license, we're falling into sin. Christ is the center of the Sabbath. It's all about magnifying Christ. If we fall into legalism, we rob Christ of his majesty because we're dishonoring the very things he taught in this passage. And if we fall into license, we rob Christ of his majesty because he affirmed the need for a Sabbath. All through his teachings, he said we need it. And when we rob ourselves of the Sabbath, when we, when we don't take it, what we're saying is we think we know better than Christ. We think we've got stuff to do I mean, he would be fine with me shooting an email off, wouldn't he? He'd be fine texting my, my, co my workers just to get some stuff. I've got to move the ball forward. He'd be totally fine with that, wouldn't he? Meanwhile, Christ is saying, I instituted the Sabbath. Don't you think I love you? Don't, don't you think that the guy who went to the cross for you, who hung on a cross in order to forgive you of your sin, when you earned that, you earned the sin that pinned him to the cross, and he went to hell and back. You know what's interesting? The crucifix wasn't the worst part of what Jesus went through on the cross. The, the worst torture humans have ever invented, they put Jesus through. When God became man, we crucified him and pinned him to a cross. Just think about that. We killed him. That's what we did when God showed up. That's the extent of our sin. And that wasn't the worst of it. The greater depth was what took place between his soul and the Father in that moment when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We sing the father turns his face away. There was, there was a hellish separation from the father that Jesus experienced on the cross. Why? Because he loved you. Because he designed you and he wanted you and he, he knew that that was the only way for you to have your sin forgiven and be restored to relationship with him. Don't you think the guy who went to hell and back for you might give you some good instructions about how to live a life that's not only fully pleasing to him but filled with joy? 
Don't you think his model's pretty good to follow? Who are we to say, you know, Jesus, seven-day work sounds good to me. I think you got that one wrong. The Sabbath is a precious gift from God that's to be observed in order to increase joy, restore life, and honor Christ. Now, I want to answer two questions. I want to make this as practical as I can. And uh, I want to be careful that I don't fall into the trap of the Pharisees. I don't want to lay down rules for you because that's between you and God to work out. But I also want to give you some wisdom of how we can navigate this. Let's begin with this question. What keeps us from practicing a Sabbath? Now, as I, I had eight things listed, and that would have been a whole hour sermon itself. I'm going to give you three of the key ones that I think are key issues that keep those in this room from truly practicing a Sabbath. Number one is ignorance. I think a lot of folks just didn't realize this is something Christians are supposed to be doing. Maybe you heard from a pastor somewhere else that you don't need to keep a Sabbath. That pastor was wrong. He had bad theology and he was not teaching you correctly. I have tons of resources that I put out there. I actually have a blog that's half written. I wanted it out and I ran out of time this week to kind of make that point again. If you heard that, you were wrong. It is a standing ordinance and we are to keep it, not to earn favor with God. You could never earn favor with God by keeping his commandments. Jesus earned all the favor on your behalf. But because God loves you, now from his love, we love to honor God and obey his commands, okay? But if maybe you didn't know that this is something you're supposed to be doing. Well, good news. The Holy Spirit brought you into this room this morning. <laughs> you're here, and now you know. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna choose to honor God or choose to honor man? The second reason a lot of people don't honor the Sabbath is because they have an idol of money and success. This idol came up two weeks ago when we were speaking on a different topic, but idol and, uh, the idol of money and success will drive most people, especially in a city like Chicago, to work seven days a week, at least in some degree, maybe six and a half days a week. Uh, because why? Because the true aim of their heart is not to honor God, but is to make money and have success. And they have a vision of where their career ought to go, and the only way to get there is by working seven days a week. Now, I wanna be very careful here. Are there times when there's an emergency and you need to, you need to do something? Of course. As a pastor, I take a Sabbath once a week. And, and Jesus said, if a, if a sheep falls into a ravine or into a ditch, do you not go get the sheep out on a Sabbath in order to protect the sheep? Do sometimes I need to disrupt my Sabbath? Of course. There are moments, and we should not be legalistic about this. But I'm talking about the pattern of your life. If the pattern is, I need to work six and a half days a week because I'm a six and a half or seven day worker, you may be falling into the idol of success. Now, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That was written before the collection of the New Testament was in place. He's referring to the commandments of the Old Testament. That's what he's writing about. This is how we know we love God, by keeping his commandments. In this city, I've, two things can be true at the same time. You may be in a job, you, you actually may be in, a, in a, a situation where your job forces you to work on Sundays. Some of you, for example, are doctors and, and you, you kind of can't make your, I think God is pleased with working this into your life. I'm praying that if that's your role, you are finding one day a week to fully rest. And if you can't do that in this season, you're striving for it to move into that direction as the normal pattern of your life, to create a Sabbath, okay? But many of you, that's not the situation. 
Many of you, your boss would be totally fine with you taking a Sunday off, but you don't because you're trying to get projects done at a faster pace and look like you're a better worker. Why? Because you want the promotion over the guy who's going to work seven days a week. Are you willing to not get the promotion in order to honor God? You got to ask yourself that question. And if the answer is no, the fruit of that will be you're going to work six and a half or seven days a week. You can tell by what you're doing. That's, your, your answer is what you're doing. And I want to bring you to a place of conviction right here. You need to repent of that. You must repent of that. Christians are not seven-day workers, and if we sacrifice a better job because of it, so be it. But let me say the other side of that coin. I have actually found, and I used to manage people in corporate, and the, not every boss is like this, but I will tell you, I had a few employees that they were working 20 hours a day and it was driving me crazy as a boss. And that was before I had conviction about the Sabbath. They were, they were making me feel like I wasn't, I was constantly stressed around them. And I was trying to get them to stop doing that. I've actually found those who keep a Sabbath have quite a degree of success because there's something salty about them in their life when they're working around, around seven day a week work people in the city who are exhausted and stressed every moment of their life. I found that you actually do quite well. That's not a promise, just a little bit of wisdom, what I found along the way. Third reason people don't practice the Sabbath is a lack of zeal for God. First reason is ignorance. Second reason is uh, idolatry of money and success. And the third reason is a lack of zeal for God. Some call themselves Christians but just don't care. That's a problem. If you're sitting here right now and you call yourself a follower of Christ, and you can honestly read the scriptures and see everything Jesus said about the beauty of the Sabbath and what it's for, and, and it's about joy, and it's about restoring life and magnifying Christ, and you can sit there and you can say, I seriously just don't care. Well, there's a bigger problem. And the bigger problem is that there's a good chance you actually don't know what it means to follow Christ because if you knew what it meant to follow Christ, you'd know he's worthy of caring. You'd know that he is worthy of every moment of your life. You'd know he's worthy of feeling conviction in your heart that maybe you got this wrong and if his word says this is what you ought to do, then Lord, align my heart because I don't want to be out of line with you. And if your heart is not in a place where you're saying, I'm out of line but I want to be in line, if you're saying, I don't care, I'm saying, Where's the Holy Spirit in you? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that's supposed to bring you conviction and draw you back to God's good ways. Because God doesn't want to take life from you. He wants to restore it. I want that for you. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit and serve the Lord. What a sweet and precious life it is to honor Christ. I found quite consistently that zeal is best developed through obedience. You want more zeal in your life? Here's where you start. Honor Christ the way he told you to honor him. And watch what happens. He's going to fan that into a love for God that can't be stopped. Do any of these speak to you particularly? I've gone over three different reasons. Ignorance, idolatry of money and success, lack of zeal for God. Here's, here's my question to you. Which of these speak to you? We're all in different places. All have maybe some of these in varying degrees. Let the Spirit work on you right now. We're learning about the Sabbath. Now, how do we put this into practice? Let's get real practical with these last few minutes. The Sabbath is a precious gift from God that's to be obeyed 
to, to build joy, restore life, and exalt Christ, like magnify Christ. Those three ideas should be being baked into your pie when you're thinking about how do I organize my life and my family's life on the Sabbath. I want those three things here, okay? Now, how do we do it? Well, first of all, however you practice the Sabbath, it should involve attending church, <laughs> okay? And I, I don't mean that to be light, but the Sabbath is Sunday. For most people, you should be practicing your Sabbath on Sunday. That's the Lord's Day. That's when the apostles practiced it. Attending a God-worshiping church on Sunday should not be a burden. This is the place where God's people are gathering to proclaim the name of Christ, to sing hymns together, to celebrate all that Christ has done and remember the resurrection. This must be a joyful time, like the pinnacle of your week every week. And if it's not, work to get there. Form that in your life. One of the ways you know that, look, just little things. You'll hear me beat this into you over and over again, but get here on time. If you love the church, if you say, this place is for the building of my life and others' life, get here on time. Be here. Show us by being here on time. Stick around till the end. One better. Join us at 9.15 to 9.45 when we gather in that hallway and pray fervently for the Holy Spirit to do something wonderful. And we pray over all our kids that the Spirit of God would move in those classrooms. And we pray over all of you. And we pray over the newcomers that will be joining us who maybe are far from God or being harassed in all different kinds of ways by our enemy. Do you love the church enough to show up then? I know it's 9.15 on a Sunday. But, but that's the church. And then here's what happens after church. We all get lunch together. Some of us are going to be in classes after service to keep learning more and more. Some of us go get meals together, buy meals for other people. Brooke Hennon, where's he at? Brooke, you're leading a lunch today, aren't you? You're leading a lunch today after service with a whole bunch of new folks. If you're new, you want to get lunch, meet some others, where are you going? Going to Jason's Deli. Join Brooke, meet some other people. Why? More details? Any more details? (laughs) Guest services table. There you go. You got a free plug. Okay, here's my point. Here's my point. If church, attending church, is a religious, boring duty for you, you missed it. And it might take some time to bring correction, but this needs to build to the pinnacle of your week. You gotta get to a place where you love the gathering of the saints and you love shouting praises to God because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. And it doesn't end the second you're here and then you run out of here the next thing you gotta do. You linger because you love God's people. What else can you do on a Sabbath? Let me give you some wisdom, things that I do that just fill me, give me joy. I read a spiritual book. Now I'm always attending more classes and I try not to read read my class books on my Sabbath day because that kind of falls in my work category. And so I love reading old Puritan works that just sink me deep into the love of Christ. That might not be you. But if it is, I got a long list of books you can read that I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it will make you love Jesus with all your heart. You will, you will be stretched in categories that you've never imagined. You knew I was going to throw the Puritans in there, didn't you? Go on a prayer walk. I love prayer walks. Even in the city. Buy some noise-canceling headphones if you need them. Go on a prayer walk and listen, listen to worship music. Linger in it. You know, it's funny, when you start cutting activities out of a, of a Sunday, you gotta start thinking, what do I do? <laughs> I'm so used to being busy all the time. What do I do with this extra time? Play a board game with your family. 
Play a board game with your friends. Get a puzzle out. Think of William Wilberforce. Six days a week, he was a politician ending the slave trade. One day a week, he rested his mind from all of that. You know what else he did? He memorized Psalm 119. He used to go on long hour, two-hour-long two prayer walks, and he just recited, memorizing the longest chapter in the Bible. William Wilberforce. Go on a prayer walk. Find some things that build godliness in you. Connect with friends and family. If you're, if you're parents, invest your time in your children. Show them that you are not addicted to work, but you love them more than work. Be in their life. Take them on walks. Throw a baseball with them. Do something with them that tells them you love them more than they could ever imagine. Don't be on your phone all day. They watch you. They see you doing this. Don't do that. Second, turn off all work. Honor the fourth commandment and turn it off. Some of you might not be able to do this right away. I know. God gives a ton of grace. Some of you can. How do you do that? Prep the night before. Think before you go to bed on a Saturday. Have I done everything I need? Do I get all those emails off? Is there something lingering? No? Okay. If there is something lingering, shoot the email off on Saturday night. Get it done. Get it out of the way so you can be free on a Sunday morning. Turn off your email. Refuse to look at email. I bet for some of you that's going to be an addiction that you just, it's, it's, it's like going to be pulling teeth for you. I can't even imagine a whole day without, turn it off. Don't look at it. And you know what? If someone calls you and it goes to voicemail, they're probably going to be fine with you calling back on Monday. You don't need to answer it right away. You don't. We are so addicted to immediate responses. The Sabbath is a moment for us to break from that. And if you can't do that, then hide your phone. Put it, get it, put it in your car or lock it up somewhere safe. If your car's not safe, put it somewhere safe <laughs> where it's out of your mind. Number three, what are the things that restore life in your own life and in someone else's? Who can you serve? Can you bake them some cookies? Deliver cookies? Can you bake them a meal? Can you show up with a meal? For me, well, a new one for me, I have to turn news off on Sundays. I, I, for part of my job, I need to know what's going on in the world so I can instruct and give cultural guidance on things. I find it gets my brain going to a depressed state. On, I practice my full Sabbath on Saturday because I have to work a lot on Sundays. So Saturday is always my full day off. And when I scroll news on a Saturday morning, I'm just like, the world's terrible. It's all going terribly. And I'm, I'm losing sight of the sovereignty of God and the preciousness of magnifying Christ. And so the answer for me is I have to have no news right now. I can't do it on Saturday. I need a break. God made me that way. And that break is good for my mind. Here's one. NFL. <laughs> now we've got a former NFL player in the room right now. I'm going to get some. I'm going to get some. All right. Let me, let, me, let me try to answer it. Can we watch an NFL game? I love watching the Bears. I love the Bears on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Brian Buss, don't you love the Bears? <laughs> Packers, no? Yeah. yeah, okay. Can you watch an NFL game? Well, here's how I would begin to process that for you. Not for everybody. I'm not going to be legal. I'm going to process it for you. Are you the type of person that the NFL restores your life or does it tend to drain your life? 
There's two types of people that watch the Bears game. I know them both. I'm friends with them both. <laughs> Some people watch an NFL game like this. God, 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 God. Or you got money on the game, and you're, 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 you're nervous about where... Now, that's a whole different issue we could talk about, but you're... <laughs> right? You're, you're nervous. What's going to happen? And then you're watching this game and that game, and you're stressed out. Should that guy watch the NFL? That's easy at this point. No. Take a break. That is not what the Sabbath is for. But if you're like me... And you, and you, and, no, but seriously, if, if, it's, if it's not a stress maker in your life, if it's a restoring of life, there might be room for watching the NFL on a Sunday for sure. But you've got to look and see, is it becoming an idol? Is it, is it robbing me of joy? How am I approaching this? And, and the reality is for a Christian, you should ask that question. If there's a thing you're afraid to ask that question about in your life, should I get rid of this on a Sabbath? It might be an idol. That's a good test for you. TV is another one. You know, do I need this? Is this filling me with Christ? I don't know. I'm not going to give you a rule. I want you to work that through with the Lord. Here's what I know. The Sabbath is a precious gift designed by God that's to be obeyed in order to build joy, restore life, and magnify Christ. And I want that for us. I want the life that's truly life for us. I don't want to rob us walking around like zombies all day. This week as I was preparing, I want to close with a poem if I can. I found this hymn old hymn. I don't know if anyone sings this anymore, but it was written about the Sabbath. Three stanzas, and I'm going to read it to us. A Sabbath well spent brings a week of content, giving strength for the toils of tomorrow. But a Sabbath profaned, whatsoever may be gained, is a certain forerunner of sorrow. Six days shalt thou toil, bringing fruits from the soil, and with mind, heart, and strength shalt thou labor. But the seventh is blessed, as a day of sweet rest and for worship of God the creator. O best of the seven, blessed foretaste of heaven, thou dost bring with each pleasant returning. Let us work, wait, and pray till the glorious day when we're called from life's weary sojourning. Will you pray with me? Father, I do pray over this time right now. Anything that came from you today, would you instill in our minds in order to worship you? We want to be those who honor your commandments out of a love for Christ. So anywhere where there's conviction in the room right now, anywhere where the Holy Spirit's doing some work, I pray that you do that work fully. Root it out, because we love you. We want, to be, we want to be those who are chasing hard after Christ, my own heart as well. Be honored, in Christ, be honored through this church, Christ, we pray. Amen.